Hello, funky listeners, and welcome to another episode of Funk Radio. This is your host, Kyle. And this is your host, Peter. And really, whenever you talk, Kyle, I'm one of the listeners, but I get the special privilege of also getting to talk. If we're both here listening to each other, does that mean on every episode we do, we have at least two listeners? Because that's the most we've ever had. (laughs) that is true (laughs) cool well that's two more listeners than i thought we had so that's good (laughs) hello welcome i don't even listen to myself when i talk um yeah so this is kyle that's peter you're on funk radio and it's been a little while yeah it's been a bit we took like a thanksgiving hiatus i guess yeah i mean we've taken longer breaks than this for sure so, what are we talking about today, Peter? Uh, well, recently you informed me that there was a film called Dolomite Is My Name. It's showtime, y'all. You love him and I love him. Put your hands together. Dolomite is my name and fucking up motherfuckers is my game. your hair. You look like a pimp. It's all pretend. I just created a character. Whatever it takes, I'm ready to do it. I got to be totally outrageous. It's filthy. You've got a product here that you can't sell or promote. If I get up in that light with my own movie, I could be everywhere all at once. Let's bring Dolomite to the screen. It's like a biopic of... And we'll talk about him throughout this episode. A guy named Rudy Ray Moore. Rudy. Uh, who, <laughs> he was basically a, um, I mean, he was a lot of things, but I think primarily he was a comedian. He was also a musician. He became really well known in the 70s and went on to make several movies, um, dozens of comedy uh, albums and whatnot. And uh, he kind of has had his own very unique style and uh persona that was kind of larger than life and i think this film that just came out i don't know within the last couple months i think um Mm. really i feel like did his legacy justice and so i guess we're gonna kind of we don't really have anything written down for this but that's not terribly new for us um (laughs) we just figured we would kind of shoot the shit about this um this film but also talk a little bit about rudy raymore yeah. A little bit in general, too, because um, I don't remember in what context, but there's been multiple times in the past where I've said, like, oh, we should do an episode on him and, you know, his old stuff mm-hmm. because I love his style because he's hilarious. Yeah. But I feel like this this episode of this topic will be a good kind of wraparound of, you know, acknowledging his original uh comedy and music and film and stuff but also kind of wrapping it into the, the more modern um i guess appreciation of it mm. so just to throw some facts in here uh so like peter said this is a movie that came out uh early september of this year it this film is actually kind of interesting not only obviously the subject matter but how the film itself was being treated because the film was actually produced in tandem with Netflix. 
And if yeah. you don't have, if you don't know what Netflix is, obviously you're living under a rock, or are Amish. <laughs> That's probably in, why you listen to Funk Radio. <laughs> in, I was going to say, in which case, why are you listening to the show? You're sinning. Stop it. Uh, our only listeners are Amish. Oh my god! Do you <laughs> think there's some that. there's some cult somewhere living underground and like they they don't do with the the modern technology of the internet, but for some reason our show is like their only view into the outside world. Yeah, I, I somehow get like a Bubble Boy vibe, like um, that weird Jake Gyllenhaal movie where like he was isolated by his family, so the only. I think it was like the only television show he thought existed was Land of the Lost, and the only <laughs> like, and the only magazine he thought existed was like Highlights. Hmm. And I just have a feeling there's some kid somewhere that the only interaction he has with pop culture is our show. In which case, I'm sorry. In which case, they're probably really confused because pretty much every episode where we reference all sorts of stuff. <laughs> they think a lot of people are dead that aren't actually dead, just like we do. Yeah, exactly. Rudy Ray Moore is dead, though. Yeah, unfortunately, um, he died in two thousand eight. Um, yeah. I, I had a, I had a point to this. I don't know where it went, but um, oh, so Netflix basically, made it. Yeah, the way that this movie was handled by Netflix was they released it to a limited theatrical release in early October after shopping around some film film festivals where it actually premiered at the toronto film festival and then like three weeks later they dropped it on netflix's streaming hmm. and the reason that they did that is because of uh some of the award uh movie awards require that any film that be submitted for for consideration have some sort of theatrical release so for a long time netflix uh. and, other streaming services that had good movies were basically shut out of a lot of these awards because they dropped them directly on to their streaming service. So they basically so to, put it in theaters for a couple of weeks to qualify for that, basically. Exactly. Uh, they it. did that with this movie, and they also did it with that new um, Scorsese movie, The Irishman. And this film, among others, actually got nominated for Best Picture. So Netflix actually mm. pretty cleaned up pretty much this year, which is a very drastic swing from yeah. prior years where they were actually kind of shut out. I think it's like the uh, Golden Globes or whatever kind of saying, like, we're sorry. <laughs> uh, now that they realize Netflix is basically like a production behemoth. Yeah. Um, well, that that in itself, I think, is showing how things have changed, even in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Interesting. And like I said, as of right now, it's been nominated for uh, Best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy, uh, and Best Actor for Eddie Murphy, who plays the lead role of Rudy Ray Moore um, in this year's mm-hmm. Golden Globe Awards. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know until I basically started watching this movie that it had Eddie Murphy in it playing. Oh, really? Rudy Ray Moore. <laughs> uh, well, I, I had never really like looked into it closely before I started it. But he did a good job of capturing that character mm-hmm. well. Like, it didn't feel like Eddie Murphy playing a guy. It actually felt like that guy, which is, yeah, yeah, I think, I, what you always want to go for when you're an actor. Yeah, it was interesting because, I mean, I like I like Eddie Murphy as an actor, but, you know, you always see him as Eddie Murphy. But it, it feels like he was really trying to get into the character yeah. in this 
um, movie, and, and you're right. I think he did a good job of kind of like losing himself in the role. Well, and, you know, Rudy Ray Moore had a very distinctive voice in the way he delivered his, like, rhyming mm-hmm. vulgar comedy. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I feel like Eddie Murphy really matched it really well. So I'm glad that they were able to capture that in a way that actually felt like the real thing, more or less. Mm. Um, I was gonna say, so that was if, good. I was gonna say if we could find a YouTube clip of his his uh, stand up, we could like show how he actually sounds as opposed to the movie. Um, for those who don't know, how, how do I say this? Uh, it's not for kids. So no, 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 no. Yeah. So if you're easily offended, maybe don't listen. But otherwise, uh, it's a fun time. So enjoy. Mm-hmm. Some folks say that Willie Green was the baddest motherfucker the world ever seen. <laughs> but I want you to light your joint, take a real good shit, and screw your wig on tight. And let me tell you about the little bad motherfucker called Dolomite. <laughs> now, Dolomite was from San Antonio. A rambling, gambling, gambling little young motherfucker from the day he was born. Right on. Yeah, he, he he came up around the same time as like Richard Pryor and stuff, so it very, mm-hmm. very much that kind of uh, vulgar humor that cropped up in like the late '70s. That you know, even a decade earlier would have been kind of taboo. Yeah, well, I think they addressed it pretty well. In in well, so basically the story of the movie. I don't know if we described that, but basically the the point of the movie is showing how Rudy Ray Moore started from basically nothing and became like this really big name first off as a comedian but then later as a filmmaker as well mm-hmm. and um the movie the primary movie that he went on to make in the 70s was dolomite um and this movie is basically like about how he ended up making that movie but in, in terms of even just getting like the the comedy records out there i think they covered that well in this movie in terms of like people are like well you can't say that on the radio you can't say that at all because this is really inappropriate stuff. And so it shows him with difficulties in distribution and him having to do a lot of like grassroots or bootleg type of yeah, yeah, distribution on his own behalf to really get, you know, word of mouth going around. And then it became popular enough for people to pick it up. So I think they did a good job of showing that. So, I mean, like the, the whole nature of his persona and his content is really inappropriate in that sense but it also showed that like there was a demand for it Mm -hmm. just the people like distributors were having trouble like taking the risk on that because a lot of people were like whoa you can't do that but yeah like i think today it would be a lot easier to oh absolutely get away with yeah fcc even i mean just general fcc rules i think have even been kind of loosened since the 70s um the thing I thought was funny in the movie, not a huge spoiler, but you you kind of touched on it. Basically, once he developed and recorded this comedy routine, he's basically trying to sell records of it uh, because he can't get airplay of it anywhere. And when he's like selling these records essentially out of the trunk of his car, he, I remember there was a scene where he's like, you know, put these like devil stamps on on each of the record sleeves you know i want people to think that you know this is bad and they shouldn't be listening to it so he kind of embraced that sort of like naughty risque nature about it because he understood that like that makes people want to 
buy it and listen to it more. The fact that they're told yeah. they can't. Well, he mentions that about when they were reading the the movie reviews too. Uh, the, one of the reviews was basically saying it was like vulgar and terrible, mm-hmm. and he was like, "Well, that's great. People are going to go to the movie and they want to see why it's so you exactly know, what makes it that bad." So, um, it's an interesting perspective, and I think it feels weird to say this, but he was kind of one of the pioneering people of, with that mentality at the time. Mm-hmm. I think not that that necessarily became like a widespread phenomenon you know that a lot of people followed but i think he was definitely a person who took that and ran with it and was really successful with it exactly um the other thing i loved about this movie is outside of just eddie murphy this movie had a lot of really famous actors in it where i every like throughout the movie i'm like hey it's that guy hey it's that guy yeah everyone from uh craig robinson who you may know from the office mm-hmm. to Wesley Snipes playing the director of the Dolomite film, kind of reluctant director, um, to Keegan-Michael Key of Key and Peele fame playing the writer, um, to, Mm. I think in like the very beginning of the movie when he's talking to one of the DJs, it's Snoop Dogg. (laughs) Yeah. And I was just like, like, okay. The opening scene, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, this this film has a ton of really, really famous actors in it, aside from just Eddie Murphy, which is always fun to watch, I suppose. Speaking of famous actors, I really loved the actress that played, um, I'm totally going to space on her name now, his um, his comedic cohort that, you know, remember when he saw her at the bar, and then he chats her up and ends up making her part of his comedy routine? Mm-hmm. Lady Reed. That actress, I've never seen her before. It says here on Wikipedia her name is Divine Joy Randolph. But uh, she was really good in as like a supporting actress. I thought she seemed familiar, but I don't know if I rec- yeah, I don't recognize anything else in her filmography. So, so yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, no, she did a really good job, though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wesley Snipes, always good. I, I, I know this is terrible, but I was just like, when did he get out of jail? <laughs> <laughs> I know it says, let's see, in 2010, Wesley Snipes began serving a three-year prison sentence for misdemeanor failure to file tax returns. He's released in 2013. Okay. So he's been out for a while. Yeah, he, he kind of forgot that you got to pay your taxes every year and <laughs> went, to, <laughs> went to jail. So, but yeah, no, this, this uh, movie's really good. Obviously, I don't want to spoil it, but yeah. as Peter said, it's essentially this Dolomite character kind of rising from in a sort of rags to riches success story, you know, scraping what little he has uh, to, you know, make something successful, which I guess is always a, a nice feel good story. I think that's what I, I thought was so interesting about the movie is like, despite the, I guess, you know, semi vulgar background and nature of it, like it was really a feel good movie. Like yeah. at the end of it, you know, you felt happy, you felt good, which I, I don't know. We need more movies well, like I, that. I think the a big message that you know I took away from it, uh, or not maybe not message, but um, just the the theme of basically he really wanted to do this, you know, comedy or whatever. He, I mean, he was kind of saying like he will do it however he needs to in order to become famous. Mm-hmm. But the way, especially like as they get into the part where they're actually like making the movie, mm-hmm. it felt very much like let's just make this however we want without worrying about standards or 
knowing how to use film equipment or anything. <laughs> and at the end of the day, it just feels like a bunch of friends making a silly movie. Exactly. That none of them are taking seriously, but it's hilarious and awesome because of that. And I feel like in a way, this movie in itself had that feeling too, of just like everyone who participated in making this movie, I feel like probably had a really good time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think, I think that was what was so interesting about it was, like you said, like he very much had a goal in mind that he was very serious about, but he never let the seriousness of him seeking that goal, like cloud him from, you know, basically realizing that the people around him are, are who helped him achieve that goal. Like, I think that was something I, I thought was so interesting was he never really got big headed about it. Like I, I kind of assumed in a movie like that, you know, there's always going to be the, you know, I don't know, uh, climax in the movie where the character gets too big for his britches and, you know, has to be taken down mm-hmm. a peg. I thought he was going to, you know, get a big head during the movie yeah, he thing. Yeah, doesn't really do that too much. But yeah, he basically was just like, look, y- y'all are y- more talented than me. You know what you're doing. I trust you guys. Let's just have fun. And yeah. never, he never really lost sight of that despite, you know, basically putting every cent of, you know, what little money he had from even his records into this movie and had it, if it was really was a flop, he would have lost everything. Right. So I thought that was, I thought that was like a neat, I don't know. Nice underdog story. Yeah. Take on his character was, although, you know, it did feel like there were external pressures in the movie where, Mm. you know, there, there is kind of like the climactic low point, I guess, of the film it never really felt like the low point was caused by his own inadequacies it was just caused by you know external factors around him Mm -hmm. so so i know we haven't really talked about dolmite itself the actual movie the the actual movie from 1975 Mm -hmm. um you know you and i talked about this very briefly um a little bit earlier um i can't honestly cannot remember if i have seen dolomite we did go through a period in college where we did see a lot of those original black exploitation movies. Mm-hmm. And I remember several of them, but I do not remember whether I saw Dolomite. Yeah. I, I'm a little I, ashamed to say that I at least don't remember. I remember I knew it existed. I knew he existed to the point that I remember when the trailer for this, uh, Eddie Murphy movie came out, I sent it to you and I was just like, Oh my God, Peter, right. look at this. But I honestly cannot remember if we saw the movie. Throughout the the Eddie Murphy film, they do kind of touch on certain, I guess, infamous scenes in the movie, like from the kind of behind-the-camera perspective of like, you know, this is Mm -hmm. how this was filmed, why it was done this way, whatever. Yeah. But none of that really jogged my memory of like, have I seen this? Have I not seen this? Yeah, Um, it's entirely possible that we haven't. Um, I would absolutely like to now more so yes. than I did before. Especially, um, especially with this context, yeah. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen any of the old black exploitation movies. It's it's funny that I wouldn't. So the modern movie Dolomite is my name. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that that's a black exploitation film. No. In itself, but it's interesting to have a movie about making a movie like that. I mm-hmm. guess. It also makes you want to watch Black Dynamite again. I was thinking um, the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so good. So yeah, and you know we've we've talked about that kind of film genre before, 
And so, you know, I don't know how much we have to add to it at, at this point, but um, it's, uh, I think a lot of, I guess something to touch on, I suppose, is a lot of those black exploitation films were, you know, obviously they were, they weren't always like high budgets and usually they weren't high budget at all, but yeah. they were still taken seriously nonetheless, or at least they took themselves seriously. Mm-hmm. But I think even the original Dolomite didn't take itself too seriously because at the end of the day, he's a comedian. Yeah. And he even showed in, you know, in this dramatization that like he wanted to make it funny. And I was going to say, I think that's part of the charm of the original Dolomite was it very much was a black exploitation film, but it also kind of tongue in cheek made fun of black exploitation films. Yeah. Which up to that point, nobody really did. You know, those movies like uh, Shaft and Black Caesar, you know, however cheesy they may be nowadays, they took themselves very seriously. You know, they, right. thought, they thought they were making legitimate action films. Whereas Dolomite... Well, and they were. Yeah. Whereas Dolomite, because, you know, he, he knew, you know, hey, I'm a, you know, I don't know how old he was supposed to be in the film, 40-something, out of shape, you know, pimp <laughs> character, you know. So the the mm-hmm. entire fact that there's a action film around his character, I think he knew was kind of silly. <laughs> yeah. Or when he's like, you know, I, I taught myself karate for the movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, you know, on that note, it's kind of interesting how forward thinking he was. Because, I mean, 1975, I can't remember what the exact year range was. I mean, like, those movies literally only existed f- from, like, 74 to 76 or something. Like, there was a very small yeah, like, yeah. year range. But right in the middle of that, you have him saying, hey, I'm going to spoof this genre, but also make something that legitimately falls into that same category. And so I think that takes a certain kind of visionary to be able to do that. And that's pretty cool. Exactly. I think that's, I mean, it's it's probably pretty obvious at this point, but I, that movie we mentioned before, Black Dynamite, I think it took most mm-hmm. of its comedic sensibilities from this movie. Not from not from the Eddie Murphy movie, from the original Dolby movie. I, I would say that's absolutely true. And I was actually thinking about that recently too. Well, and um, I think it was Cream Corn from Black Dynamite, <laughs> that character is based directly on Rudy Ray Moore because he talks in very much the same, like, rhymey way. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has kind of a s- similar... I don't know, it's, it's just hilarious. Um, so you you can absolutely see, and I, fi- I feel like I should go back and watch Dolomite, partly to connect to this movie, but then to watch Black Dynamite as a more modern spoof of that genre and kind of see more of, like, the direct correlations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think I, I think it's really cool that they really went about like kind of honoring Rudy Ray Moore's legacy through this, um, and I mm-hmm. think they definitely did his character justice, and not only the character of Dolomite, but just you know, like him himself being a character mm-hmm. of a human being. I think they captured that pretty well. I was gonna say I think part of it too is especially why there were so many not only famous black actors, but famous black comedians in this movie, uh, is I think uh, there's a lot of respect in the com- comedic community for Rudy Ray Moore because of how pioneering mm-hmm. he was, not only in creating that sort of stage persona, but kind yeah. of pioneering, you know, more risque comedy in general. Well, and a lot of people even consider him a pioneer um not as a rapper, but like an influence, like into the transition to rap music. 
I can um, see that. He is kind of regarded as like an influence, you know, for people who later, you know, became kind of the cornerstones of rap music as it started out in the late seventies and eighties and onward. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's his, um, his influence has, you know, kind of spread out in many different directions. I was going to say, uh, I found a little quote here, which I guess makes sense. Um, it says that Rudy Raymore came to uh, be regarded as a major influence for many later rap stars. Snoop Dogg said, quote, without Rudy Raymore, there would be no Snoop Dogg, and that's for real. <laughs> Dang. So two uh, things I didn't, I guess, you know, as long as we're talking about Rudy Raymore, two yeah, things yeah, yeah. I didn't know is, for one, I didn't know how many, I didn't realize how many movies he actually made. Oh, yeah. I think they said at the end of the movie, like, just of Dolomite movies, he made like eight or nine. Jeez. But it looks like he also made a whole bunch of others as well. So he made a lot of damn movies. So he didn't just make that one and then stop. Like he literally made like 25 movies. Um, And then if you get into like his discography of like how many albums he made of mm-hmm. his comedy. I mean, there's probably Three a good 40 here in this list. Mm-hmm. So that guy knew what he was doing. So yeah, um, I, I would say I don't know. If there's if there's a whole lot more to say mm. here, um, but I um, I enjoyed this movie a lot. And if you listeners are at all interested, uh, and if you have access to Netflix, maybe go check out that movie. Dolomite is my name. I'm not yeah. saying Dolomite is my name, but wow, that's the name <laughs> of the movie. Yes. By the way, I don't know if we ever said who it was directed by. It's directed by a guy named Craig Brewer. His filmography includes Hustlin' and Flow, Black Snake Moan, and a remake of Footloose. Uh, well, two of those movies are good. <coughs> and then, obviously, Dolomite <laughs> is my name. Hmm. But yeah, yeah. if you guys have Netflix, highly recommend uh, giving it a watch. It's Like I said, it's been nominated for Best Picture, the Golden Globes, as of right now. Hopefully that translates to some Oscar noms. We'll see. Mm-hmm. And it's good to see Eddie Murphy acting again, to be honest. I mean, it seems like it's yeah. been forever since I've seen him in a movie. So Yeah, he's kind of been playing it low-key for a while, so mm-hmm. it's good to see him doing something and doing it well. So Doing it fun. and doing it and doing it well. Uh, so if you listeners want to listen to other episodes that are a little, little that are a little bit more structured than this and have more uh, research <laughs> research and things that make sense, uh, go to getyourfunk.com and find our episodes there. You can browse them or search or I don't know, maybe even listen to one. Who knows listeners? This has been your host, Peter. <laughs> and this has been your host, Kyle. Uh, I'm feeling a little rusty. Um, whatever. Uh, bye. Bye, we love you. <laughs> <laughs>